my name is Julia Streets and welcome to Diversity Podcast, talking about equity, inclusion and diversity in financial services. On the podcast, we seek to shine a light on positive progress, call out areas requiring further focus and offer lots of ideas to help drive change. And I'm particularly excited to welcome you all to the first in a two-part special. This is all about understanding and celebrating neurodiversity. We welcome two guests and in each of the episodes take a bit more time than usual because we're keen to understand and explore the lived experiences of each guest to hear their advice about how best to welcome, motivate and retain neurodivergent talent. And we start with this episode with a guest called Lou Anderson. She is a senior sales development representative at the firm Connector. And in the next episode, I'll be speaking to Dan Harris, CEO of Neurodiversity in Business. But before we get started today, I just wanted to take a moment to thank our friends at City AM for their continued support of Diversity Podcast. They have a dedicated page on their website. They publish and promote both our episodes and our supporting blog series so their readers can stay at the very top of what's latest in the diversity and inclusion debate. Now, you may want to check out their own podcast called The City View for all the latest news and opinion from the city, because we at Diversity Podcast are huge fans. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm delighted today to be joined by Lou Anderson. She's a senior sales development representative at the firm Connector, which is an organisation focused on building belonging through mentoring. And what's interesting and particularly appealed to Lou was that it said that its future was firmly in the world of SaaS or software as a service, which as a technology is Lou's speciality. Lou was diagnosed with dyslexia at 16, ADHD at 36, and right now at the tender age of 37, she's currently waiting for her autism assessment to come back. So Lou, it's great to have you on the show today. Hi, yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to, to speak to you guys uh, and talk about all things neurodiversity, which is, uh, yeah, a bit of a theme in my life and something I'm really passionate about. Well, it's incredibly important and I'm really grateful for your time. So, so listen, I'd love to get it straight into, tell us what you're focused on right now. Really figuring out <clears throat> what I need to, to do in my life, to what I need to change in my life to be better and to improve, knowing that I now potentially have autism. There's things that I can change in my life to make me a little bit better, a bit more productive. But also all the struggles I've been through in my life, I've, I've wanted to sort of get the voice out there and help other people and that's part of what I do in my work, what I do in my life. And, and one of the reasons um, I was uh, talking to you guys initially when I first spoke to you guys through Connector, I was uh, I was talking endlessly about neuro- neurodiversity and, and how important it was for, for us guys to be heard. So, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty set on it, pretty passionate about it. So, Luke, everybody's talking about neurodiversity, and I think that's an incredibly positive thing. You know, we recognise that in the industry – not only in the world of technology, but right the way across industry. We need to have diversity of experiences, opinion, backgrounds, in order to navigate these extraordinary times that we we live in, where all the rules have changed and everything's changing (laughs) constantly. Um, So I'm really keen to hear about your thoughts about where you see the contribution of individuals with neurodiversity um, really adding positive contributions to the organisation. 
Yeah. So there's actually uh, of recent times, uh, really recent. There's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, forward thinking from some huge companies, um, and I've I'm doing a lot of reading myself. A lot of articles I, I keep uh, I front a few your way as well. Um, companies like Microsoft, uh, SAP, um, they've they've introduced neurodiverse uh, programs, but also changing their application process. Uh, which is the big thing, right? So for me, if someone asks me if I'm disabled, which is the the question on all, you know, you fill that first application form, are you disabled? No, I'm fine. You tick no. Uh, Or I might go, well, I've got ADHD and dyslexia, but I don't really want them to know because they might not give me the job. So I'm not going to tick disabled. And then if you think uh, some people on the autism spectrum, it's not a direct question. Are you disabled? No. Do you have autism? Well, yeah, if you asked me I'd got autism, I might have ticked it. So that that first step is all wrong. Um, so a lot of companies are losing this talent before they even get there. And the thing is, it is we call it the, the superhero brain because uh, people on the spectrum, they think out the box. So there's uh, this is why uh, companies like Microsoft are interested because when developing new technology, uh, everyone's trying to think of new ideas. And then someone who maybe uh, has ADHD or autism will think of an idea that no one ever thought of because it's to do with the, the part of your brain that has these, I call them, uh, we call them superhero skills or like the magic brain. Um, and then you've got that commitment as well, like the loyalties that come with it as well. Um, we're just naturally loyal and it comes from a sense of, I don't know if you know this, but people with ADHD particularly have got a lack of dopamine. So they're lacking dopamine in the brain. So they're always looking for something um, to give them that dopamine. So quite often uh, we're people pleasers. Uh, we'll go out of our way to help people and be kind to people and do all sorts of things because when someone feels really grateful for it it gives you that hit of dopamine um and that's why in in boys you often get the uh the the, the bad you know the that you think oh it's bad adhd has got this horrible reputation because these uh, these lads quite often are lacking in dopamine so they're looking for it somewhere else and that can be uh you know taking drugs or doing some of the stuff that is uh, going to give you a hit, you know. Uh, some people jump out of planes and things like that. That sort of hit, but for the majority of us, it's it's just working really hard and and doing the best that we can. And what company doesn't want that? What company wouldn't want an employee who's loyal, who doesn't really like change, so will want to stay with the business and progress through the business, but also will give them all of these uh, different things uh, as well. Uh, and the more research we do, the more things that we find out. Um, and with the help and support as well, because that's the thing. Once you, once a company knows that that, that person who is applying is neuro, neurodivergent, they can give them the support they need and they're more likely to, to succeed. So, you know, with <clears throat> someone with ADHD, giving them that clarity and that, that dopamine hit, you know, you are doing well in your application. And someone with autism, maybe, you know, here are some people in your team. Let's introduce you. Let's give you a sense of belonging. Let's make you feel like you already fit in before you start. And um, let's get you a mentor that you can talk to. So if you don't even know when you start that that person uh, has a, a neuro disorder or a hate disorder, a condition. I, I don't like any of it, to be honest. I don't I always say neurodiverse, but I don't know if that's the right word. 
but I, I think we should think of a new word. I just call us superheroes. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that. Yeah. But it, and it is interesting because I think the language around neurodiversity is, is um, giving organisations cause for concern. You know, that's right, we're talking about, you know, neurodiversity conditions. Some people think about it in terms of a disability, and it's wonderful to hear you go, that's absolutely not, you know, from the very off of your comments. But also, um, it's about attributes, and it's about positive attributes that, that people own as well. And, and I'm really curious, you talked there about the research that uh, SAP and Microsoft and others are putting out about the contribution, the, the very valuable contribution that your super superpower talent can bring. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what else organisations are wakening up to uh, in terms of the contribution and the, and the value of these, uh, these employees as well. The first step is knowing they're there. So the first, the very initial step is it starts day one. Like the minute you, whether that's in your job um, adverts and you mention that, um, you know, neurodivergent people are, are, are very welcome to apply. That can be a little bit weird though. Uh, it works sort of in certain space, text-based often do it anyway. They just say, oh, we have a neurodivergent um, uh, groups and, and they'll, they'll match it up with other diverse groups they've got and they'll just make sure they mention it. But I think that first initial step is being a bit direct. Do you have a, a, a neuro... Um, Condition again. Hey, are you a superhero? Being really clear on that application and being really clear that actually this is a good thing. We are looking for people like you because quite often you don't want anyone not to tick the box. Recently, at a, a sort of a, a candidate experience event, um, and um, I think EY were were talking about the technology that companies are using now um, to ensure that that neurodiverse people find the application process really uh, really easy to, to use and I've seen some of it there's the the dyslexia part of it so they can click a button and then it changes the uh, the application to a sort of a multicolored background and the text is easy to read there's also things like sound um, so they've done a lot of research into what uh, would benefit each part of the narrow neurodiverse spectrum and what would be helpful and interestingly you can choose what works for you so for, for me it's day one is day one is finding out where where your neurodiverse talent is and then supporting them and that's the big word is support um for me it's interestingly that i work with a company that works as to help companies mentor because i had a mentor and for me as well i think anyone if you have a mentor it just it just propels you and as someone who is on that spectrum we talked about um you know that dopamine hit if you've got someone that's sort of giving you that feedback and giving you some goals and making you feel like you belong you're getting that dopamine hit and it's really helping you propel um and the sense of belonging i remember walking into big corporate offices going for job interviews and just being terrified <laughs> and that and, and I think that happens for everyone I think everyone feels that as, as a young person as well but when you have uh, ADHD or um, or autism it's 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 propelled because you already feel like you don't fit in in a way so you've got all of these emotions and they say I don't know the start on it 
but they say that, uh, that the amount of people that uh, are on that are neurodivergent people that just don't even get through the building that like they walk into the building and they walk straight out again is is quite high because it's just a fear the advice i would give to companies is support 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 whatever that means you need to support these guys through the process and you need to know they're there <laughs> yeah and I'd, actually i'd love to pick on one thing you mentioned there sort of quite early in your remarks about you know, explaining that you've got uh, neurodiversity diversity groups or you've got com- kind of communities within your organisation to, to role model the fact that you that, that talent like this is very welcome. And I worry a little bit when we talk about diversity is that we are at risk of putting people into siloed categories when actually we're very we, we're completely human beings. You know, whether you're a woman, a mother, a man, a caregiver with di- neurodiversity um, or neurodiverse attributes. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on to what extent should we maintain the intersectionality of some of these diversity groups, or actually, is it right to have a separate neurodiversity network? Yeah, you've got a good point. No, it's it's all about balance. Um, I I'm gay, and I've been part of a lot of LGBTQ plus groups and in those groups it's really common to have allies and I feel like in some of the other groups uh, that are formed by companies uh, it's not as common and I think if you are going to to, to uh, have these groups it's important that they're open to everyone because otherwise you're going to get that like exactly what you said I mean I worked my past life I worked on a, a, a camp I used to run kids camps in America and we were really careful about ensuring that our our kids were sharing rooms with people that were nothing like them because they would form cliques everywhere. And they would go into their own little clique and it would be people that were from um, poorer backgrounds would stick together, people that are richer backgrounds would stick together, did nothing for helping everyone to feel uh, involved and connected. So as much as these groups help because if you're applying for a role and you see oh there's a they have a group there for people like me so therefore they must accept people like me and there must be people like me working there it's also important to know that it isn't just a group for one type of person this should be something that is open to the whole company because we learn from each other you know and particularly in some aspects of autism, um, communication is not great and social skills are not great. You have one or the other. If you've got ADHD and autism, you talk too much, but you feel really nervous around people. You're like a, I think I call it an awkward cucumber, sort of green with nerves, but full of, full of water and conversation. And the other side of it, that. So having people in that group as well to learn, you know, how are we going to be a better team if we don't know how best to give you what you need and ensure that you and your special skills that you bring to the company are going to excel and we can learn from each other as well I think there's there's a a thing I read recently uh just a post I think on LinkedIn where it was what can a neurodiverse person bring to your team as in these people work like crazy, us, we, we, we're real people pleasers. And what that means is when you get a lot of people that are working really hard to do better, it means that your team all step up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one, one 
one person on the team can then create a, a, a sort of a, a ball, a, a rolling ball effect of productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so, so, so much uh, for, of positive things. So, yes, the groups are great in the beginning, but I think that it should be uh, the I think it's really important that someone is looking after the members of these groups and ensuring that they are not just um, stuck, segregated. You know, we're an open world. I wonder if we could um, sort of bust a few myths. We talked a bit about sort of the, <laughs> the organisation's discomfort with language, particularly around neurodiversity, the, the risk yeah. of putting people into particular networks and I hate to use the word buckets, essentially, but that's what that's quite often we are put into tick boxes, aren't we, as human beings in corporate structures, which yeah, really should yeah. be is what we're saying. What are the other myths that you think that organisations should try to uh, demystify? Where are the misperceptions? Um, my favourite one, um, and this is dyslexia. All, all dyslexic people are a bit stupid. Um, and they can't write, read or write. I got that a lot. I, I, first job I ever went to, I think it kept, someone said I was dyslexic. I think I was working at a petrol station, I think. I can't remember what job it was. Oh, can you read and write? Yeah, got GCSEs. <laughs> you know, um, and, the, you know, there's a smartness behind there. There's, a, there's also, you know, we mask. Women tend to mask all of these things, dyslexia, ADHD and autism. I always surprise people when I say I got an A in English in English lit I got an A and that is because even though I was assessed for dyslexia too late I couldn't get extra time in my GCSEs they, they couldn't give it me my English teacher told me it's only three marks spelling and grammar in in a in a in your um, literature in your GCSE English lit so instead of focusing on getting everything right I focused on what I was good at and that was analysing. We're really good at analysing. We see things that no one sees. So I was amazing at English Lit because I could pick out, uh, I think it was of Mice and Men. I made the connection that it was somehow linked to The Green Mile, the film that I'd watched a million times straight away. I made And I found all the secret bits and pieces. And I was amazing. I got an A. And I remember my English teacher just being gobsmacked because I was predicted like a D or an E or something because I just excelled. And I think major misconception you know in in today's society dyslexic people have got you know grammarly and and spell checks to get around that um adhd massive misconception we're, we're just naughty boys or naughty girls yes there's a lot of naughty girls and naughty boys uh that have adhd but that's because they haven't had the support we go back to support you know what the thing about ADHD is you need to find the thing that makes that person shine and it can be anything school's hard but there'll be something in school that they excel at or we excel at it's misconception we, we can't sit still we can't do anything we're always on, a, on a, the go we, we can't do a task I could sit and do Lego for three days because actually following a task is uh, it gives you that dopamine of completing a task, completing a task, completing a task. So in school, what you do is ensure that the kids in schools, young people uh, are, are supported in the right way and given tasks in a way that they are easy to manage. So I'll give you an example. My stepdaughter, if I say, go and tidy your room, it's awful, get it done. You're not watching TV until you get it done. 
don't come downstairs. She will go upstairs and then she will find a piece of paper or a book and I'll go upstairs an hour later and she will be reading a book <laughs> or drawing another piece of paper because it's too overwhelming. If I go upstairs and I give, if I write down all of the jobs she needs to do and leave a, and, and literally cut them into little pieces and say she can pick which job she wants to do first and every time she completes a job, she gets a sweet or a hug or she something like that and something little she will do that task in 10 minutes she will run downstairs to get a reward and then she will run back up and do it that's the difference between mm -hmm. a young person excelling in school or ending up in you know an, an awful situation it's all about good teachers and same in work you know if you're working with someone that that and i know more about adhd uh, because I've been talking about it so, so much lately and finding ways, to my, I've been finding ways to make me better. If I say to my, my, my manager, right, you want 20 things doing, I literally need to get, you need to give me one job at a time. It's also about um, ensuring that these companies are educated. And that's the thing, we're, we're quite not, we're not, we're not educated. Um, there isn't a lot out there, you know, so what do you do? How do you find it out? Well, you've just employed a load of people that have, you've just got your superheroes have started the business. They're probably in a group for, for, for neurodivergent people. Well, why don't you go to that group and let's find out what, what, um, what, what makes them tick, what makes them happy. And that's the best way to ensure these groups do not become clicks is to say, right, you know, you guys, once every two months, the whole company is going to come to one of your groups and you're going to tell us how we can do better. Mm -hmm. What do you not like? Say things that make you feel uncomfortable. Is your manager not doing a great job? Everyone, don't don't get upset. This is feedback. This is how we make us better. And mm -hmm. that would be, that, yeah, that, that would be what, what would, my suggestion, mm -hmm. um, and I'm, People with ADHD are full of suggestions and bright ideas. <laughs> that's that's what we do. Well, we talk a lot about enlightened leaders, and actually, enlightened leaders at the moment are trying to figure out while the, all the world is shifting around us. I mean, it's all it's changing all the time, and the answer is found in your organisations. Just talk to your teams, right? The answers will be found mm. within your talent groups, who will tell you exactly what they need, which is fascinating. I am just interested though, because we were, um, you know, I mentioned in the introduction about you're waiting for your diagnosis about. Yeah. Um, yeah, autism yeah. and yeah. uh and just before we started recording actually you were mentioning this isn't uncommon that women of a certain age get late with a diagnosis just talk to us a bit more about that so it was a sort of misconception i would say i'm th i'm 37 so when i was in school 20 25 years ago around that time uh, it was a misconception that um, ADHD and particularly autism was really a boys thing. Girls didn't really, really, really have it. Yeah, naughty boys. It, it, it was nothing to do with girls. And actually, the research has shown that loads of women have it, and loads of women are being diagnosed in their thirties now. I've recently uh, seen a, a a woman who now speaks about this, who has been diagnosed in her sixties. And it's because we mask, we're smart. Women are left-brained thinkers anyway, generally. We are. A lot of us are left-brained thinkers. 
we find a way around everything. So the reason for me, I wasn't diagnosed with dyslexia until I was 16 is because I found a way around it. I found a way to mask it. I just did it my way. I avoided the words I couldn't spell. It took me 10 hours to do something that take everyone an hour, but I was too embarrassed to say anything. And I found a way around it because the, the brain is really smart. I always say we're really smart. We just can't show you how smart we are sometimes. With ADHD, you're learning to, again, mask it. So same thing as dyslexia. Like I would be up till two in the morning because I couldn't get started. And the ADHD people can't start on a task. And when they start on it, they can't stop. So getting that, that initial start, I did all of that without any medication, any help. I just, I was just determined to succeed, but I covered it up. And then autism is a huge one because for me, I didn't realize I had it because I'd worked so hard to control these emotions that I'd had. Um, but as looking back, I realized, you know, the overwhelming need to be right, um, sitting in a group of friends and just feeling like that's just that doesn't make sense that's not right but you, you you do this thing don't you where you think well I'm in a situation where I have to um, mask that feeling I think sometimes uh, I don't know whether it's a testosterone thing or uh, you know we are different men and women are different in the chemicals in the body I think often they might find it harder to 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 control certain things uh, I don't know, but women definitely have more control. So it's masked. It's always masked. And the, the thing that really shone for me and the the, <laughs> uh, the sort of a light bulb moment for me was people with autism, we have meltdowns. When things don't go the way that they're supposed to go or something goes wrong, we do. We have meltdowns. And I can't speak for everyone with autism, but for me, imagine a two-year-old just losing it in a supermarket. But we do it privately. So we'll go into a room and we'll, I will cry. Like I'll get really, really upset. And when you live alone, nobody sees that. And you definitely, you, you, you're, you can control that in a workspace. You control that in your friendship space. But on your own, you can't control it. I thought everyone felt like this. I think a lot of women just go, oh, we, when plans change, it's very disappointing, isn't it? And you feel this tightness in your chest, like you want to scream and people go well not really I just reschedule and it's affected my relationships throughout my life and I think having that now clear yes we think you have this helps me to manage it these poor women that have just struggled their whole life like once I became uh, medicated on ADHD um it's so weird. So it's, it's, it's like life changing. But the thing is, the people who have autism, women, I would say, who have autism and ADHD are kind of methodical. So they actually do better. The autism side helps you do better. It's just we just hide it so well. But the thing is, and it's this is the sad thing. Quite often. We're just labeled as either lazy, late for everything useless is a big one um and a lot of people are with adhd particularly women who are managing their own lives and from the outside seem to be doing really well could be in a lot of debt and it isn't that they don't they've, they've got amazing jobs but they just haven't paid their bills so there's a struggle behind everything and i would say bringing it back to what we said before when you have struggled so hard to achieve everything in your life, 
and you are fired up on dopamine, you do excel because life in general is difficult. So you you just give it 110% every time and that becomes your your sort of mantra. You 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 just do it. And and that's why we have I would I would say that a lot of really successful women high up these really successful women that I aspire to be. I reckon a lot of them have a little bit of a everyone's on the spectrum. It's a spectrum. That's what a spectrum is. ADHD drives a lot of people. It does. As much as it's been hard and as much as it's been difficult, I don't see it as a bad thing. Don't I see it as a good thing. There's a knack though, but with women, with me and a lot of women I spoke to with ADHD, you have you 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 think of a dream. So it might be starting your own business and you will do everything you can possibly do to get to that dream. Then before you've quite got there, you'll find a better one because your brain will think of something better. I went traveling. I quit everything at 26 and went traveling. And the reason I did it is because I told everyone at work I was going to do it because we talk and we get a fixed idea in our head. I told everyone I was going to leave. And if I didn't leave, it'd be embarrassing. So I had to. So then it became my focus. I thought that was a really long way of answering your question, but there's just so much. There's a lot of pain there, but there's also a lot of achievement and just fighting for that dopamine. There's there's an incredible amount of bad things. And that's why I was really happy to to just sit back and listen to you talk about (laughs) the lived experience because uh, you've been incredibly generous and open just in terms of sort of talk about your personal journey your, your family journey also your corporate journey and then also yeah. looking at it from both kind of positive and also less positive points of view as well mm-hmm. um, so it's been great to have you on the show I can't begin to tell you I just need to ask you one very fast question I'm going to set you the task actually which to <laughs> answer it in, in about in, a, <laughs> in about sort of 30 to 60 seconds if you would Sorry, yeah. and this is a question we ask everybody uh, and it is okay. um it is incredibly important because I worry that as we navigate these interesting times, like you're going to, uh, well, we are going to tough uh, economic times. And yeah. I worry that diversity and inclusion could fall down the corporate agenda in terms yeah, of importance. Give us, as you as we, as we close out this interview <laughs> today, give us your compelling reason why it should remain high on the corporate agenda. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. It should remain high on the corporate agenda because you need superheroes in your business. If you want your business to grow, if you want your team to be successful and propel, and you want a team that thinks of new ideas and is amazing, then you need some of us on your team. You need some out of the box thinkers. That's what you need. Um, Lou Anderson, thank you very much for joining us. It's been just such a joy to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. <laughs> no, it's been uh, it's been lovely and so good to meet you. Uh, really, really good to meet you. We love to talk us lot, so yeah, it's been a pleasure. Well, the wonderful thing about podcasts is people love to listen. To everybody who's tuned into <laughs> Diversity Podcast, thank you for joining us. I've been Julia Streets. Uh, join us again for our next episode soon. This episode of Diversity Podcast was produced by Roshan Roberts on behalf of Julia Street's Productions. You can find out more about the guests on this week's show on our website, www.diversitypodcast.com. And that's diversity with a C and not an S. Whilst you are there, you can also sign up to our newsletter 
for all our latest updates. All our episodes are available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. If you enjoy Diversity Podcast, remember to share on social media and give us a rating or review. It really helps to promote the show to a wider audience. And finally, our Twitter handle is at DiversityPod. Thanks for listening.